May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. May we all learn something new together. As you know, there are certain physical characteristics that are unique to only you. Only I have the fingerprint that I have. Only you have the fingerprint that you have. No one else has one exactly like it in the world. The iris, the colored part of your eye, there's a pattern in the iris that is unique to you and only you. So thus they're able to use eyes to, uh, as, as sort of a password to get you into a, through a door or so forth. You see it in the movies, but it really is true. Every person on earth has unique things about them. Your DNA is unique to only you. But did you know that also your heartbeat is unique to only you? There's something that is called a cardiac signature, which is a different heartbeat pattern that each person has. And only you have your cardiac signature. Your cardiac signature cannot be altered. It cannot be disguised. So if someone could measure your cardiac signature, and they had a database, of course, they could identify you from a distance. There's a, this is pretty scary to me, but there is a, a, a laser that the Pentagon has, has that can identify people by their heartbeat from 600 feet away. Uh, I don't know what you would use that for. I suppose there are good positive uses for it. Doctors could maybe monitor your heart health from a distance. I don't know if that would be necessary. But this laser could also be used to track criminals, I suppose, in crowds, people who were wanted or that they were looking for. But for those of us who sometimes get a little concerned about privacy, these kind of, the thought of it is a little scary. But did you ever imagine that your heartbeat was yours and yours alone, your cardiac signature, and that it's your, unique to only you? This morning, let's apply that to our faith. We don't need a laser or any technology to tell us that a Christian's cardiac signature looks a certain way. And today's scripture tells us what that heart signature might be. The heart signature of a Christian is to love, to love people with the love of Jesus. Not that warm and fuzzy feeling, though that's nice too. Not with good intentions or with good encouraging words, which are all good too. But according to what Shelley read for us this morning, with loving actions by the things we do, not so much the things we say. Actions that sometimes cost us something. Verse 18 said, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Talk is cheap is the message here. Real love can be costly. It's easy to say you love or care for someone. It's a whole other thing to show them 
that you love them, that you care about them. These words were written to encourage church people to be more loving toward one another and more loving to people in need. If we can't do that, John tells us, then we've missed the very heart of the faith that Christ gave us. There was a teenage son who asked his dad, Dad, what is the toughest thing, do you think, that God ever tried to do? His dad racked his brain for an answer, and then he did what I do when I don't know the answer. I say, well, what do you think? Sometimes it works. And the boy said, well, since taking science in school, I think the creation of the world must have been a pretty big undertaking for God. And in Sunday school, we've talked about some of the miracles, and I think the resurrection might be the toughest thing that God ever did. But after thinking about it some more, I decided that the toughest thing that God ever had to do is to get me to understand who God is and that he loves me. Did you get that? The toughest thing God ever had to do is to get us to understand who God is. And then knowing who he is, to really understand that he loves us. How did God get us to understand? What did we see or hear that tells us who he is? Well, first through the Old Testament law, we know that he was a God. Through the prophets, he was a God who cared for his people, a God who makes promises to his people and goes through with those promises. And then through the coming of his son, Jesus, in the person of Jesus. And how did God get us to understand that he loves us? Well, John says, by giving his son to die on the cross and to rise again. John, the disciple of Christ, who wrote these verses, knew that he didn't make it, he had to make it perfectly clear what Christian love looks like for the people who were followers of Jesus in that day and for us today, all those who were to come. And so he doesn't give us the option to try to define it for ourselves or to try to figure it out. In verse 16, he lays it out very plainly. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The nature of Christian faith is love. That's where we'll start. Listen to these words from this chapter. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Listen to these words. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is how we know that God loves us, because he laid down his life for us. Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth, in action. That's the gospel. Let us love not in word or speech, but truth in action. Unfortunately, it's not always that easy to love. 
is it? Some people are hard to love. Many years ago, there was a man named Jeffrey Collins who was the director of an organization called, it was a nonprofit group called Love and Action. Love and Action was an organization that ministered to AIDS patients and their families when AIDS was rampant. Collins told a story about getting a phone call at 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon as he was trying to leave the office. He had just worked a 60 or 70 hour work week. He was exhausted. And he wanted to ignore the phone ringing on his way out the door, but he answered it anyway. The voice on the other end of the line was Jimmy, who was a client. And Jimmy said that he was very sick and he was also very scared. Collins said that his first emotion and his first thought when he heard those words wasn't compassion, wasn't love, but it was anger because he really wanted to go home and rest. He wanted a couple of hours at the end of the week when nobody needed him. Some of us know exactly what that feels like. But Collins knew that God's calling doesn't depend on how he felt, but on how badly someone else needed his help. And so he headed over to Jimmy's house to check on him. When he got there, Jimmy was on the couch, very sick, shivering and feverish, and covered in vomit. The place smelled terrible. It was a mess. And though he was very careful not to show it, he was angry and he was annoyed. And as he cleaned Jimmy up and got down on his hands and knees to scrub the vomit out of the carpet, he prayed an angry prayer to God, thinking, why me? I'd rather be home right now sitting in my recliner. But then came a surprise. A friend of Jimmy's showed up. His name was Russ. Russ walked in the door and saw Jeffrey kneeling down, cleaning up Jimmy's mess. And with an astonished look on his face, Russ said two words. I understand. And Jimmy looked up from the couch and said, What, Russ? What do you understand? He said, after all this time, now I understand who Jesus is. He's like Jeff. That night, Russ began to follow Jesus. In spite of Jeffrey's resentment, he knew the right thing to do and he did it. And it made a difference in a couple of lives. It isn't always easy to love. We often withhold love until someone passes our approval test. Sometimes we find ourselves loving people that we think deserve to be loved, which is exactly the opposite of what Jesus did and wants us to do. He doesn't love us because we're easy to love. I know there are times when I'm not easy to love. Ask my wife. He doesn't love us because we deserve it. He loves us 
with the love of God. And just as Jesus does for us, we're told we should do for others. That means loving all people, even when they misuse us, do things against us. And that means being good to all people, regardless of whether we disagree with their politics or we disagree with their opinion on wearing masks or we disagree with their opinion on whether schools ought to be open or all of these sort of things. People who we don't approve of. People who it feels like it's out of our comfort zone to love. Those are exactly the people that God wants us to love. The nature of Christian faith is to love others. And that brings us to one more thing that's important for us to realize. And that is that our love is witness to other people. How will they know we are Christians? By our love. I know it's not scripture, but it's based on scripture. That is how they know. If the day comes when the Christian church is as loving as its master, Jesus, the world will beat a path to our door. We won't be able to hold people in here. We won't have enough space if we ever get to that place where we truly love people the way we ought to love them. John asks the question, how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or a sister in need and yet refuses to help? And the answer is, it doesn't. God's love cannot abide in someone who doesn't care for others who are in need. There was a lady named Frances Havergal who was an English hymn writer in the 1800s. And her most favorite hymn is Take My Life and Let It Be. She wrote that. We're going to sing that a little bit later. And it starts with the words, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And in each verse, she talks about a different part of her life and giving it to the Lord. She says, take my voice, take my hands, take my feet, and then take my love. She asked God to use every part of her life to make a difference for other people. And the fourth verse says, take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. And Frances Havergal really meant it. In her journal, she writes about packing up jewels that belonged to her family, along with lots of other ornamental things that were very valuable, and sending them off to a church missionary society to be used to buy food and clothing for needy people. She wrote in her journal that day, I don't think I need to tell you I never packed a box with so much pleasure. How do we know that Frances Havergal had a heart like Jesus? Because she willingly, joyfully, gave away her most treasured possessions for the sake of sharing the love of Jesus with other people, with strangers she didn't even know. She saw brothers and sisters in need, and she was determined to help them. Love is our witness to others. 
Many years ago, there was a missionary camp in a remote area of Peru, South America. A small amphibious plane came, landed, came out of the Peruvian jungle and landed on the airstrip. And on that plane were two young ladies. They were covered in insect bites that had become infected and turned into open sores. And they looked miserable, but they both had smiles from ear to ear. No complaining from them. You see, they were missionaries, and they had chosen to help the people in a remote part of Peru, sharing the love of God with this indigenous community. These people were violently opposed to outsiders, would not allow men into their village, would kill them if they came. And so these two ladies volunteered. And every so often, when they would get too sick from all the insect bites, they would have to leave the village and return to camp for a couple of weeks for some medical treatment. And then they would head right back to the jungle again. They gave up their comfort and their safety for the joy of serving other people, of sharing God's love with other people, someone less fortunate than them. Love is more than just an emotion or a feeling. Love is feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, visiting the imprisoned. Love is not a passive verb, it's an active verb. It's something we do. It's the way we share our faith with other people. Love is our witness to the world. As the saying goes, people really don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. But there's one more thing. Love is a gift from God. I saw this meme. It said, perform an unnatural act. Love somebody. And it's true. Pure love is comes from God. It doesn't come from us. Our nature is to fight for survival, to work for our own well-being, to build up as much as we can in this life. God's nature is self-giving, self-giving love. And I believe that the closer we are to God, the better we are able to love others. John says, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. That spirit is love. There's an old episode of the TV show, The Twilight Zone. In this episode, a gambler dies. He wakes up in a room full of gaming tables. And no matter what game he plays, he wins. A gambler's dream comes true. This must be heaven, right? But as he goes from table to table, winning all this money, he comes to realize that he hadn't wound up in heaven at all, but in hell. You see, he had everything he ever wanted, but he was alone and had no one to share it with. Love is a gift. God gives to us, and it, sh it grows when we give it away, when we can love others with the same sacrificial love 
that God loves us. In a very old cemetery in England, there's a weather-beaten old tombstone for a man who is not in any way famous, and if I told you his name, you wouldn't, it wouldn't mean anything to you at all. But he must have been a powerful force of good when he was alive. Under his name and the dates of his birth and his death are these words. In the worst of times, he did the best of things. That sounds like Jesus. In the worst of times, he did the best of things. And you know what else? It sounds like a lot of Christians I know in the last year. A lot of churches, a lot of good organizations who in the worst of times did the best of things. Not for themselves, not for their own gain or recognition, but just because they loved and cared about their brothers and sisters in the face of difficulty. In the face of persecution and injustice and torture and humiliation, Jesus faced his death with courage and with grace. He even forgave the men who hung him on the cross. How's that for love? And he willingly suffered to show us how far God would go to prove his love for you, for me. The words that John wrote centuries ago are still true today, just as true as they were when he wrote them. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. When the love of God truly lives in our hearts, we are able to look into the faces of others and not see their face, but see God's face. When you see that poor man or woman who's in need, when you see that friend who needs somebody to talk to, a shoulder to lean on, when you look at them, you ought to see God's face. Love is the nature of Christian faith. Love is our witness to others. Love is a gift from God. We love because God first loved us. And only when we abide in God can we really share that love. And only then can God's love abide in us. May we learn to really understand at least a little bit more who God is and how very, very much he loves each of us. Amen.